my privilege to speak to you this morning. I've got a tough gig this morning because uh, Tim has announced that there is free food after the service. Uh, and so it's pretty tough preaching conditions. Everyone's sitting there thinking, I wish this guy would hurry up. I want to get my fish and chips. <laughs> Quiet you. Right, let's go. Jesus, help me this morning. Let it be your words this morning. Let everything that comes out of my mouth that is from you find a place to rest. And let everything that comes out of my mouth that is not from you fall to the floor. That we will be impacted by what it is you are saying today. Amen. Can I um, just get a show of hands? Um, who, has, who has come here to Tassie from uh, another state or another country? Um, or have left the state and come back again. Just put your hand up. Now, keep your hand up if you feel that God actually called you here. Well, that's a good, I don't know, third quarter of us. It's quite astounding. And I was thinking about that because I'm one of those people. God called me here for whatever reason. Um, here I am. And um, I was one of those people, and I was thinking, what does it take to move to another state or to move to another country because the Lord's told you to. It takes faith, doesn't it? And there's something about pioneering faith that I want to talk about today. Uh, and a good example of this pioneering faith uh, we pick up in Genesis 11, right at the beginning of the Bible. And we see the story of Abraham, or Abram as he was known then. And in uh, and in chapter 11, verse 31, it says, And Terah, that's Abram's dad, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his, his son Abram's wife, and they went out. This is too, I can't read, this text is too big. I'm too close to it. Uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, your screen's everywhere. And I'm getting confused. Where I was up to? Uh, so they went out from Ur, they went to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran, and they dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So here you have this family, and they are tra transitioning or moving from, from where they lived and where their, their home was and where their family was. They're moving to a new place. And they got to Haran, um, which uh, arguably was not far from Ur, depending on which Ur you, you look, look at, or it was a long way from Ur, depending on if, it, if you look at the other uh, there's several Urs that they could have come from. But for whatever reason, they stopped in Haran. Now, just reading between the lines and, and assuming, this is not in the Bible, but I'm assuming Terah was 200 years when they left, uh, and uh, when they left Ur, and then when they got to Haran, presumably they stopped because of his health, just assuming. And they stayed there for five years. And then we pick up the story in the next chapter, Genesis 2 verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Now when we read through that way, that sort of, we, we see Terah taking them out, and then, and then they'd settle down in Haran, and then we read that, we think, oh well, that's when, that's when the Lord spoke to Abram and, and told him to go to Canaan, but it's not actually the case. It was always Abram's purpose and calling. It was not Terah's idea. Because if we look in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, it says, 
And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, that is Ur, before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And I'm sure some of us can relate to wanting to get away from our relatives, (laughs) going to a land that he'll show us. And then we get to go back and visit them again. So here we have Terah, who's the patriarch of a family. He's, he's the, the patriarch, like he's the boss of, of the family, because Abram's one of his sons at this point. And he's leading the family out to go to a new nation or a new place that they don't even know what it is yet, because it was Abram's calling, because it was Abram's purpose. And for leaders, you know, leaders... If you're a leader in this room, it is your job to recognize the call of God and to facilitate movement toward that purpose. It's not the leader's responsibility to be the only sole conduit of God's purpose, but to recognize what God is doing in and around them and to facilitate movement toward that. And so there's a time as... um, I put an elder generation, but I kind of wanted to in- include myself in this, so maybe I'll, I'll I was going to say you or we for the elder. No, I'll say, what, tell you what I'll say, I'll say more spiritually mature. <laughs> there is a time as the more spiritually mature people, there's uh, a time for you to empower, to equip, uh, to disciple and to lead the next generation. But there's also a time to step back and let them obey God's call on their life. And so we have to have wisdom to know which, which is which. We have to have wisdom to know when to release people and not smother them, but also wisdom when to equip people and not abandon them. And this is something, um, in full disclosure, that you know, Fee and I were, were working our way through. Uh, last, last year, we had a real heart to see something happening with the youth, and so um, through a series of, of processes, there was a couple of people, and um, I think one of them's here today. I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this. Too bad, I'm going to go there anyway. <laughs> and, and they said, yeah, we, we want to do that. We'd love to do that. And we're like, excellent, awesome. So we had a couple of meetings, and we're like, you're good to go. Have fun. Have a blast. And then like a term later, they came to us and they said, we can't do it anymore. We feel abandoned. We feel exhausted. We feel like there's nobody helping us. And that was on us because we, we didn't want to smother, but in the process of not wanting to smother, we just abandoned. And so we need wisdom to know what to do, when to release and when to equip. Because there's something, there's a joy, isn't there? When we come alongside someone Who's, who's excited or eager to, to walk in the calling that God's put on their life. There's a real joy. But at some point, we can't own that. We have to step back and let them. And so we look at Abram, and he was able to, it's interesting, he was able to obey the Lord because the Lord said to him, uh, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. And yet, they all left together, didn't they? 
And so he hadn't left his father's house in that moment. So Abram was able to obey the Lord in a way that honoured God, but also honoured his father. And no doubt, Abram wrestled with that concept of leaving his father's house. But of course, you know, he waited long enough and the problem resolved itself, didn't it? Because God never seems to me like he's in a hurry. He's patient with us. And he allows us to work through our challenges. So if you're one of those people that are feeling the call of God on their life, allow yourself to be discipled. Allow yourself to be equipped by those around you. I can see, you know, Adam might have been frustrated. He's like, Dad, this is my thing. Like, don't come. I want to do this thing. And his dad's like, you can do this thing, but just let me journey with you for a season and equip you, and then you have everything you need to go fulfill what God's calling you to do. So beautiful working together for purpose. Now, if we have a look back at that, at that passage in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, there's something a bit deeper going on, um, and I did this for you, Josh, because you're always talking about how the Old Testament is poetry and symmetry and stuff. So I, I, whenever I read the Old Testament now, I've got your voice in my ear, and I'm looking for those things. And so if we have a look at this passage, um, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, uh, get out of your country, it's the first thing, from your family, second thing, and from your father's house, third thing. To a land I will show you, interval. I will make you a great nation, first thing. I will bless you and make your name great, second thing. And I'll, you shall be a blessing, third thing. How's that? So what? Three, get three. Yeah. So I, I believe that, that the way this is written, um, they, they actually go together. And so what we have is we have... Uh, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, get out of your family and get away from your father's house. There's three things to do. Let go of what you knew. Let go of the old mindset. There is something new for you to walk into. To a land I will show you. That's the something that you don't know yet. That's what the Lord will reveal. There is something about the new mindset which he will reveal to you. But you have to leave behind the old mindsets. You have to leave behind the old ways of doing things. You have to leave behind those pointless traditions where you don't know why you do them, but you've always just done them because someone else did them. And so there's three commands and there's three promises. Get out of your country is the command, and the promise is, I will make you a great nation. So we are to think and act as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. This is not our country anymore. We belong to a new kingdom. So we are now law-abiding ambassadors within this country, representing the king. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family is the command and the promise is, I will bless you and make your name great. Where do you find your source of identity? Is it where you're born, what your, what your status is, what you've, what you've been blessed with? So we, our identity is not to be in the circumstances in which we were born or in the, in the family that we're a part of. 
God is our source of identity. And that is that we see ourselves the way that he sees us. But not only we see ourselves the way he sees us, we see each other the way he sees them. And so we see God in each other. And the, um, the third command is, and from your father's house. Leave your father's house. And the promise is, and you shall be a blessing. When we talk about the father's house, that's the possessions and the wealth and the, and the stuff. Isn't it? The father's house. And yet, from God's perspective, it's not about what we're blessed with, but he wants to make us a blessing. And we only understand that when we recognize that God is our source. Because all of, all of Terah's household, when he passed away, it all became Abram's anyway. So, so, in a sense, he can't really leave the household. It's all coming with him because now it's his household. But Abram, he wanted Abram to know, Abram, I'm your source. God is our source. And that requires faith. I'm getting back to faith. Faith requires us to understand that God is our source because faith asks us to do things or faith is doing things or going places or giving things or praying or donating or whatever it might be. And none of that, none of that works unless we understand that God is our source. Because faith is taking a risk on the goodness of God. Do you believe he's good? Faith is taking a risk on that belief. And let me tell you the difference between belief and faith that I've learned in my time. Um, and this is a lesson I learned when I was a younger man. And I was living in Sydney and, and I was passionate for Jesus like I am now, I suppose, but in a, from a youthful, energetic sense. Uh, <laughs> I'm more passionate for Jesus in the laid-back sense now, but that's all right. I'm still passionate in my heart. Uh, but I was young and full of energy and wanted to do something exciting for the, for the kingdom, and I prayed about it, and I really felt the Lord say quite clearly he wanted me to go to East Timor. Now, East Timor had just been through a, a time of... Um, they had a referendum and there was a whole bunch of militia there and, and atrocities that happened. And so uh, the UN actually went into East Timor for peacekeeping duties and they had all these different um, armies and uh, peacekeepers in the, in the nation. And the nation was rebuilding as its own sovereign nation after leaving Indonesia. So a lot was going on and, uh, and I felt God say, go there. And so I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I'm excited. You know, I'm going to go do something exciting for Jesus. And so uh, I... You know, living in Sydney, even 20 years ago, was not cheap. It's less, less cheap now, but even 20 years ago, it was pretty hard to live there. And so, you know, all my, my pay every, every month would, would go towards my living expenses. And, and so I didn't have a lot of uh, resource behind me. And so I said, well, Lord, if you want me to go, it's up to you. And, and uh, as soon as you let me know what I'm going to do or who I'm going to connect with over there, I'll quit my job and I'll go. That's faith, isn't it? Faithful yo-yo. On the go. And, and so I prayed that and, and, and I waited and I, and I sought the Lord and he didn't say anything about what I was going to do over there. So I kept praying. And, and then a month went past and I, I prayed again. I said, Lord, 
just show me what I'm going to do. As soon as you show me what I'm going to do over there and who I'm going to connect with, because I can't just rock up there, right? Like it's just, you have to have special permission to get in and everything. You can't just go there. And as soon as you show me what I'm going to do there, I'll quit my job and I'll go. And then that month went by. And then I'm like, Lord, did you tell me to go or not? Like, just show me what I'm going to do. And suddenly I realized in that moment, is God my source? Do I have faith or just belief that he wants me to go? Because if I have faith that he wants me to go, faith requires an action. So I went to my boss and I said, I'm just giving, handing in my notice. Um, I believe that God's told me to go to East Timor and be a missionary. Uh, I didn't know how else to explain it to her. She was not a Christian lady. Um, and she said, oh, okay, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, thanks for letting me know and thanks for everything. And, uh, you know, it'll be whatever that was, two weeks or whatever. And, um, and so I went home and I was like, well, I'm doing it. I'm trusting you. I'm stepped out now. This is it. This is what faith looks like. And you know what? Because of that conversation, because I quit my job before knowing what I was going to do, uh, when I quit my job, I talked to my boss about it, and my boss that evening was talking to her mum on the phone and just catching up and saying, yeah, Johan, quit, quit work today. Um, and, and he said he's going to East Timor, of all places. And my boss's mum said, oh, oh, that's, how interesting that is. That's fascinating, because I know an organisation over there, and they're actually looking for someone at the moment. And, and so it was because I quit my job that I actually got the answer I was looking for. I was waiting for the answer, and God was waiting for me to trust him. And that's what faith is. Faith, belief is just belief. Faith is acting on that belief. Your faith transforms a belief into action. And that's why I believe faith is a verb. It's, an, it's a doing word. It's not some sort of feeling or private emotion that you have. Uh, faith is observed. And, and the challenge for me, I've started working um, at, at TAFE, actually. I'm working as a teacher there. And, uh, and the challenge is I've never really worked in an organization before. I've often just worked on my own or with a few people. And, uh, and the challenge for me is to be full of faith. And that is not just going to places with the knowledge in my heart, but that my belief is demonstrated and observable because that's faith. And so when someone says, oh, that's a person of faith, is it, are you saying, oh, that, they just believe stuff about God, or I observe faith on them because of the actions that they do? Because that is faith. Don't ever be that kind of person who prays for someone, and they don't get healed, and you say, ah, oh, you didn't have enough faith. Don't be that person. Because faith is a response to a belief. And if they've come forward, or if they've put up their hand, or if they've asked you, that is faith. And guess how much faith God needs to, to do anything? Mustard seed. And besides, you're there too. It's your faith. <laughs> because people who say that, they, they don't actually care about the person, they care about how they look. Faith is a response. It's a tangible thing that we see. James chapter 2, verse 
14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not... Oh, hang on, where are we reading up to? 17. Okay, I'll stop back at 17. So thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Does Jesus want people to be in peace, warmed and filled? Yes. yes. That's a trick question. I'm not a trick question. It's an easy question. You should also be nodding. Yes, yes that's what he wants. Then our faith is a tangible outworking. If we believe that, our faith is a tangible outworking of what we believe. And if we don't do that, that's not faith. That's just a belief. Because if you believe that God is the source for all things then you in faith can give it away, can see it made manifest. That's why I love what City Mission do. Um, you know, their, their, their logo is changing lives in Jesus' name. Is that, did I get it right? Hmm? Yeah, Luke, close enough. That's the gist. Changing lives in Jesus' name because they believe that uh, everyone is valuable. They believe that Jesus has something for everyone and they work it out, they're faithful to that belief. Because faith is seen and faith in Jesus must be demonstrated. Uh, let's have a look at verse 18. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? Wow. So works don't come before faith. You don't fake it till you make it. Because works on their own, they're just works. That's right. Works can be good, they can be bad. But they're just works. Faith doesn't live in the works, but faith lives in the response to the belief. And so faith is not that private moment or feeling, but it's something that's tangible, it's observed. It's felt, it's experienced somehow. That is faith. And if you have a look at Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for, or the evidence of things not seen. Now another word for substance can be realization. It's, it's a, real, a realization of something. It's making something real, tangible. Observable. 
See, evidence, or another word for evidence is confidence of things not seen. There's a confidence about your faith because when you have a belief and you think, this is what God is saying, there's a confidence behind your faith that will look risky to the observer, to the outsider looking in. Once when um, I was, uh, Fee and I were, were part of, um, we're, we're running a little course, moving in the Holy Spirit type course um, in New Zealand and uh, we're all taking different parts of that course each night, so we'd sort of swap it around, so we'd do different parts. And, and it was my job that night to do like the activation time, the Holy Spirit time, and that was exciting. So I'm praying through my day at work, and, I, and I'm just like, Lord, what do you want to do with that tonight? Like, how do you want it to look, and what do, you want it, what do you want to do there? And I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to ask people who has a word of knowledge for healing, and then you know, when they bring that up, pray for, pray for what, whoever in the room needs that healing. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Great. Oh, I'll do that. And so the night came, and it was my turn. We all gathered around, and I said, all right, everyone, now this is what the Lord wants to do. Did anyone get a strange pain or something on the way here? Or has any kind of word of, you know, because sometimes you feel the pain, and that's a word of knowledge that someone has, needs to be healed from, whatever it is that, that pain is. And everyone kind of looked around and stared at me, and, and then someone said, oh, yeah, I feel a bit funny in my stomach, but I think I just ate my dinner too quick. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I don't think that's quite it. And, and we moved on to the next thing, and, and I just like, was like, Lord, what was that? Like, you, I'm sure you told me. I'm pretty sure. And I stepped down in faith there, and I was just like, you know, I looked a little silly. And, and the Lord's like, I don't care. <laughs> and I was just like, what happened there? Anyway, we night moves on. And we're finishing off. And um, we were going to just have a time of prayer in the other room, and everyone was moving in there, and I'm sort of packing up my, in my area there. And a, and a gentleman comes over and he says, you know that thing you said before? Strangest thing. I've just suddenly got a really strange pain in my elbow. Just then. And instantly I knew. I knew that this is what God had been talking about. And so I ran into the other room. I jumped up on a chair and I said, quiet everybody. Who has a pain in their elbow? And the lady's like, um, I've got a pain in my elbow. The Lord's going to heal you. Let's pray. Boom, she gets healed. Now, Looking from the outside, that's a risky thing to do, isn't it? But when you know, when you have faith, when you see what God is doing, putting it into action, that's the supernatural manifestation of faith. So verse 23, um, we're up to, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, uh, we're still in James chapter 2, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justi- you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. You know, this, this is interesting. He was called a friend of God, and we see that also in the passage in John 15, verse 15, where it says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. So we get to be in on God's plan, and we're called friends because he makes his plan known to us, just like Abraham was. Now, I'm not a smart man. The logic goes, if the Lord is showing us something and revealing his plan to us, it's not just for us to nod along and go, hmm, good, okay. It's for 
us to respond to. It's for us to partner with and become part of. He reveals his plan to us. There's an expectation for a response. An outworking of what we believe he is saying. That's faith. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, my, my body, my flesh, when I die, the, the spirit will leave. The flesh will stay here on earth. But without my spirit in my body, it's, there's no life. Although the flesh is still here. And it's the same with faith and works. Faith without works is not as dead. As, it doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It's pointless. Faith must be worked out. It must be an action must be observable. Because the Christian life we lead, it's, it's not all in our minds. It's not just our belief in our heads and our theology correct. There's some sort of tangible sign of response to his voice that must be in our life, that must be observable. Um, and we see this with Abraham. He's traveling to a land he did not know. If we have a look in Hebrews verse 11, sorry, chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, get this, not knowing where he is going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, which Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him, of the same promise. So your faith steps, when you step out in faith, when you obey the word of the Lord, will echo across the generations. You'll be establishing something for the future generations. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And we all know that unless God builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And it's exciting to see that God is building something here, even in this church. But God is building something in this city. And you know what? Like Abraham, we may, never, we, we may see part of it, but we, we, may, we may never see the fullness of it. But we are part of it. You know, this is a, a building. We're blessed to be here. Um, but I, I said this last week, I, I believe that the Lord is speaking, um, when I've been praying about you know, this situation, we're moving into a new building, I just keep, keep hearing the Lord say that this is a foundation. This is not a building, this is a foundation. That he is building something and this is part of his foundation. And when you think about it, the word spoken over us as a church from the beginning and even till now is bringing life to dry bones. This building is a prophetic example of bringing life to dry bones. And we, we individually, corporately, we are part of this foundation that God is building. Because God has brought us together, we all put our hands up, all those who have traveled here, those who haven't traveled here, you're still here, so you're in it too, we're all in it together. God has brought us together for a purpose. 
Some of you are here for a season. Some of you are here for longer. Some of you are going to get sent. Some of you are going to build. But we are all part of this foundation of what God is building in this city. And guess what? When you build a foundation, well, back in the olden days, you'd put a cornerstone in. And that cornerstone would determine the way the building, the direction of the building, the heights of the building. Everything all has to come back to the cornerstone to make sure it's valid. Jesus is our cornerstone as he's building what he's building. So even though we may be part of the foundation and we may, may be part of what God is creating and building in this place, we all, it all comes back to that cornerstone. We all, we all refer it back to the plumb line, the point of reference, Jesus. I'll finish with this verse, Joshua uh, 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You know, there's a difference between gathering around the presence and being led by the presence. When we gather around the presence, we observe. When we are led by the presence, we hear, believe, obey. That's faith. You know, it's, it's interesting that that the Lord says, you have not passed this way before because in a way they had, Abraham had been there. That was the promised land. He'd, he'd gone there first. He'd been called 500 years earlier to go there. And yet God had said, you have not passed this way before. You know, there's been other churches in this building. You're all, probably most of you have been to other churches or been part of other churches. But let me tell you, we have not been this way before. That whatever God is doing in our midst, we have not been this way before. That we're doing something that he is calling us to do that is not like the old. There's going to be something new. And just like these guys, they had to look to the presence and follow what God is doing every step of the way. And let me tell you, they, they might not have been that way before, but they knew crossing the Jordan that there's going to be some battles and there's going to be some abundance. But in all things, that they would rely on the goodness of God and his leading. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you care for us so much, that you have, a, uh, you, you, you have plans, you reveal them to us, that we may partner with you and step out in faith that you would uh, give us the, the, the wisdom, the insight, and the courage to turn our belief into action, that those around us would say that's a person of faith, not by what we believe, but by what we do, that we are observable in the marketplace as carriers of you, 
as followers of you and as givers of your presence as well. And Lord, I want to pray too for what you're calling us into. You may or may not be calling us to a new nation, some of us. But I want to pray for every one of us. What is the way that we have not been before? Is there something at work? Is there something in my family? Is there something in my social group that you are leading me into that I have not passed that way before? Show me what I need. Show me the way I need to go to be reliant on you. Amen. All right, fish and chips coming. Um, if, if you want prayer for anything, uh, I would just recommend that you grab someone that you know and trust and would like to pray with you. Um, if you don't have anyone that you know and trust, uh, you can still get prayer. Just come up to the front and there'll be a few people here who would be delighted to pray with you. Um, otherwise, have a great week. Tim, did you want to say anything?